Hi, I'm Zora Chase, and you're listening to Small to Scaled, the podcast that explores how accomplished business leaders went from vision to venture. In these conversations, you'll hear about their experiences and take away some practical wisdom that might help your business scale to whatever size fits. In preparing for today's guest, I did a little homework on the idea of public speaking. Some experts actually say say that glossophobia, I never knew that word, the fear of public speaking, affects as much as 77% of the population. The fear of public speaking actually surpasses the fear of snakes, ghosts, and there's one other thing. Can you guess what it is? Death. You would think. I'm talking about clowns. People are more afraid of public speaking than they are of clowns. (laughs) (laughs) But the very brave few who have the talent, um, nail the right kind of content, and have a repeatable system in place can build a lucrative business out of speaking. And I'm sure they have a lot of fun doing it. Um, Today's guest is Tom Singer. He is a certified public speaker a CPS, who has scaled the art of public speaking. He's spoken to thousands of audiences as a keynote speaker or master of ceremonies. He's known as the conference catalyst because he creates an atmosphere of fun interacting with his presentations. Um, Tom is has authored 12 books and hosts four podcasts. So he's got me on that, where he's um, interviewed thousands of business leaders on how to uncover the most successful people, how they get between the gap of potential and results. So, Tom, welcome to the show today. Hey, Zora. Thanks for having me. Well, Tom, um, since you are the aficionado, um, I will tell the audience that I do kind of remember your start. Um, (laughs) You were there. You you were sitting right next to me at my start, I think. It just make, it brings a tear to my eye. Um, yes, I was shoulder to shoulder with you um, at the Apache News Desk at Arcadia High School, our closed circuit TV. Tom was a host, and so was I, informing the students of all the things they needed to know about what was going on at Arcadia they, High School. They had to know when the pep rally was and where to buy tickets for the prom. Those were important things. And we had a closed circuit television newscast and we ran it just like the, the morning news. We ran it like the Today Show. It was pretty serious. It was very serious. <laughs> pretty funny when you look back, but um, but great experience. Great experience. I, I wanted to do public speaking too, but I, I somehow I ended up in digital advertising. Go figure. <laughs> Anyway, Tom, since you did take a different route, um, I'd love to hear like how you became a speaker as a business and um, and what inspired you to, to take this on as a career. Sure. Well, Zora, I've known you since kindergarten and we went all the way through high school together. So, you know, I might have been a little bit of a talker. We found my second grade report card and, and uh, the second grade teacher had wrote a note to my mother saying, see me, he talks too much in class. And my brother laughed and said, we didn't know when you were in second grade that you could turn that into a career. Uh, but But the way the business side of it came about is I had a successful career in sales and marketing. And when you're in sales and marketing, you go to a lot of conferences, either as an attendee or your company is sponsoring it and you have a booth and all that. And I would sit in those like conference room chairs and I would watch the keynote speaker. And I literally would think to myself, wow, she or he they have a better job than I do. 
And so I started researching, how does one get to be the keynote speaker at an association conference and get paid for it? And it turned out it was a whole industry. And so about 15 years ago, I started saying, I, I want to do that because that looks way better than working for somebody and, and going to an office every day. And it took me three or four or five years to figure it out. But in uh, 2009, I went full time as a professional speaker. And that's pretty much all I did up until the pandemic. Okay, that is crazy. I wanted to ask you, what is the process of becoming, you're certified. And I, I don't think that's, I think that's actually a big deal. Um, so, yeah, it's called the that. Certified Professional Speaker. It's called the CSP. And it's the designation from the National Speakers Association. And the National Speakers Association is the trade association for people who make their income using the spoken word. So that is speakers and trainers, some podcasters, some others, but it's people who speak for a living. And it's it's not a it's not a speakers bureau. They don't get us booked. It's really just an industry club for people who are speakers. And like many associations, they have a certification and only about a thousand people in the world have the CSP because it takes a long time to get it. You have to be working full-time as a speaker or not necessarily full-time, but you have to be making money for between five and 10 years. You have to have given over 250 paid speeches. You have to have 25 clients do a survey about you, like how oh good you are gosh. on stage, how easy you are to work with, is your website professional, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you have to present a video that is then reviewed by, I think it's four current CSPs and they're making sure that you don't suck. They don't want to add anybody to their ranks who doesn't do a good job. So it takes a long time to be able to qualify. I mean, just the 250 paid speeches alone, you know, that could easily take 10 or more years to get there. So it's it's a, not an easy designation to get. You know, does it mean I'm a better speaker than people who, who don't have that designation? Probably not, but it means I've been very dedicated to the industry. So you use your your hustle and your <laughs> that you learned in sales and marketing to actually get this done because 250 paid speeches over how many it took you five years to get it? It took me five years. Wow. Um you have a five to ten year period to put the the paperwork together. And I, I did it mm -hmm. in about five years. Okay. So tell me, is there what is there one particular speaking engagement that was your absolute favorite? Um, oh wow. Yeah, I know. I'm throwing I'm throwing one at you. That's like uh, making me choose between my two daughters who I like better, right? I, I they're very different and I like I love them both. Right. But, well, uh, there might have been one speaking engagement that had like, you know, 10 people that was as rewarding as one that had 2000. Yeah. Um, so I can I can maybe tell give you me a one story. of each. <laughs> well, I can tell you a story that changed my life and that is somebody asked me to be the master of ceremonies for no money by the way for free as a favor <laughs> for the IT executive of the year awards in Austin Texas and this is like 15 years ago i was trying to become a speaker i wasn't full time i still had a job and i literally was like no i don't want to do that and <laughs> it's not paid i don't know anything about the IT world it wasn't interesting to me <laughs> and i owed the person a favor and he said i really want you to to do this so i agreed to do it and I emceed this like hour and a half long award ceremony. And at the end, this gentleman came up to me and he said, do you do this for a living? And although I really didn't, I said, yes. And he said, my boss needs to know you. Give me a card. I gave him a card. I didn't think more about it. The next day I got a call from the editor of CIO magazine. And she said, hi, my name is Mary Fran Johnson. I'm the, C uh, the CEO of uh, the editor of CIO magazine. I hear you're a really good speaker and really good at engaging an audience. Is that true? And I said, where did you hear that? And she said, you met Bob last night. And I said, yes, I did. 
And so this Bob was in Austin for these awards. He worked in Boston. He told his boss about me. She ended up hiring me to speak at 19 conferences over the next four years. And that really launched my whole career. That if it hadn't been for that chance meeting and that that MC gig that I didn't want to do, I may never have gotten the the break in the business. So yeah, there that event stands out to me. Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of that quote. Like, uh, who said seventy percent of the win is just showing up? Yep, I I showed up and I met Bob, and Bob introduced me to Mary Fran, and I credit a lot of my career to that very nice woman. Very cool. I know you never know who you're going to meet. And um, just say yes is a great policy most of the time. <laughs> I say yes too much, <laughs> um, but, but um, that's very cool. So, um, so tell me what as, as you built the business, if you wanted to have your business, what kind of systems do you put in place so that it's running smoothly, so that you're not frazzled every time you go? I'm sure you have a few different key notes that you keep together and um, how do you, how do you get your systems in place to be um, a public speaker? So I wish I was really good at systems. I kind of suck at them, but there are a couple of things that I do have that really help. And it started off, it was just an Excel spreadsheet. And then I moved to a CRM and the CRM made it a lot easier to be able to, you know, keep track of who I'm calling. Cause here's the thing, if you're going to make a living as a professional speaker or really make a living as anything, you're really in two businesses. You're in the business of being a speaker or whatever you do, and you're in the sales business. Because if I don't sell the opportunity to come speak to a company or an association, then I don't get booked, I don't get paid, which means I'm really not working as a professional speaker. So I've got to be in sales first. So having some systems in place, because sometimes it takes years. So, you know, you you get interviewed to be the keynote speaker for an association conference and they really like you and you like the meeting planner, mm-hmm. but the committee decides to go with somebody else for one of a lot of reasons. They, mm-hmm. your, your topic's not interesting this year. They change the theme of their meeting and it doesn't fit with who you are. They're looking for certain demographics to mix things up on stage and mm-hmm. they don't hire you. If you don't keep in touch with them, that's an opportunity lost. So I want to make sure that when I'm a finalist, even if I'm not selected, I want to make sure that I'm following up with people, you know, quarterly or twice a year, because I know two things are true. If they hire Becky to be their keynote speaker next year, they're going to have a conference and they don't want Becky again. So I want to get back in that loop because if I was a finalist this year, maybe I can be a finalist next year. So a CRM is super important to be able to keep in touch with who all the prospects are and keep things going. And then the other thing is as simple as just a checklist sheet. You know, before the pandemic, I was traveling about a hundred nights a year for about 50 different conferences. And what that meant is I come home, I'm home for five days with my family. I'm doing my my business side of running my business. Then I get on a plane to go deliver. Well, I have certain things I have to have with me on that trip, both for my personal life and for that speech I'm going to give and for running the rest of my business. So I've got to make sure I've got my computer. I can't tell you how many times early in my career I left without the power cord to my computer. So, you know, or the power cord to my phone. And so having a checklist of what I must have on the road is super important. And some of those things I have duplicates. So they're in my sort of go bag, Mm -hmm. but some of the things I have to take out and use, and then I take it back. So just having a simple checklist of what I'm going to take when I travel has really been a game changer because I probably bought like 20 iPhone charging cords over my lifetime before I started never leaving without checking every box on the checklist. Yeah, that gets expensive. (laughs) I left my laptop one away from home and I think it was like $70 to replace it. 
I mean, can you imagine doing that 10 times? Oh, I've done it. Yep. (laughs) That is great advice. Um, What CRM, just curious, for a a solopreneur would be, would you recommend? What what do you like? Okay. So I've used several of them over the years Mm -hmm. and I really fell in love with with a product a few years ago, about four years ago called Contactually. And it wasn't fancy. It wasn't expensive. But apparently it wasn't that popular because Contactually just closed. Okay. So I actually have downloaded everything in the po- process of looking at something else. I'm looking at Zoho and a few others uh, because I don't need any fancy balls, bells and whistles. A, a lot of my peers use some really high-end Infusionsoft and things like that, but it's, I don't need to pay $300 a month. I just really need something that reminds me, time to call Zora and so yeah. I can make the call. Yeah. And the contact information's there and you can export it into, you know, a, a email format if you need to. And yeah. I love Contactually. I would have been their biggest commercial today, really? but they, they closed. Oh, you should have them sponsoring your podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, they closed last month, so it's, a, it's done anyway. Oh, you didn't save them. You could have saved them. Oh, darn. So, um, so are, are you, speaking of solopreneurs, are you always solo or, or do you have team members? Do you ever hire people? So I've been doing this for 13 years and I have been solo all except for six months. I did have a sales guy. He was a young guy. He wanted to become a professional speaker. He was aggressive. So I brought him on as an hourly employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having an employee, all of a sudden you had to have like things with the government and you had to have payroll taxes and you had to have a company that did the checks. Mm-hmm. And I loved him. He didn't work out. He had a, he went a different direction in his life, and I decided I don't really need a part time employee again. So uh, I've been solo ever since, and I just use contractors for like my accounting and for my web design and, and stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. I use two or three different you know um, contractors from time to time if I have a specific need. But for the most part, with the exception of four to six months, I've been totally solo. Okay. Um, all right. Um, so speaking of marketing, would you say what marketing strategies do you use or do you email marketing or do you do LinkedIn? What do you, what do you do? So LinkedIn for me is a great way, not so much to do marketing to people who don't know me because my strategy with LinkedIn has always been, I connect to people who I have a real connection to. So I don't like to just connect to everyone who breathes air. Mm -hmm. My LinkedIn strategy has usually been have I met them? Have they seen me speak? Have we somehow engaged? I called it the coffee meal or beer rule, which uh-huh. means have we had a cup of coffee? Like, but I have 6,000 or so followers. Now I break that rule all the time and I add people because they seem cool or whatever. But for the most part, I don't have 20,000, 30,000 people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn because mm-hmm. I try to make sure there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. However, if you learn to post, and I've worked with this guy named Richard Bliss, who is a consultant on how to maximize using LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I now, when I post, can get four, six, eight thousand views per post, where I was getting 200 and 300 views per post. So I'm learning how to use LinkedIn so that more people see what I'm doing. Because yeah. if they know of me and I show up in their thread from time to time, I do get calls where people say, oh, we're hiring someone for our conference. You popped up in my social media. So I use a lot of social media more to cultivate existing relationships than to be found by strangers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then a lot of it is because I teach how do you build your brand and your network. Mm -hmm. A lot of it comes through referrals. I would say about 80% of my business comes from personal referrals from people because that's what I do. I cultivate relationships and I remind them that I'm out there and I use my CRM to remember to remind them that I'm out there. And I tie that to my social media. So people who've seen me oftentimes two and three years later will refer me to other 
type events. So I, I wish that I was really good with a lot of outbound marketing, but I've really, I've really worked on cultivating those relationships with people who've crossed my paths along the way. Okay. So you made me think of, of topics. Tell me about what people, corporations, speaking events, what they're hungry to hear right, right now. We're, 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 we're emerging out of this pandemic. <laughs> there's there there's there's a war in another country. There's there's midterm elections. There's lots of stuff going on in the world right now. What do people want to hear? What 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 do you think is um, an exciting topic uh, around speaking right now? So right before the pandemic and certainly through it, resiliency was a huge topic. Everybody I knew who d- dealing with tough times, being resilient that that topic has been really good. The topics that work in all markets, I've been doing this now for almost 15 years, the speaking topics that work for companies and association in good times and bad. And there's other ones that bubble up along the way. Storytelling was really big like five years ago. Everybody was like, how do you tell your corporate story? Mm-hmm. You know, that one's kind of a little bit less now, but different topics come up, but sales, leadership, change and innovation, and time management or productivity. So those four are always popular for all the years I've been in this business, if you speak on sales, leadership, change, innovation, or productivity slash time management, there's always work because those are things people always want. You could probably add a few other topics to that. Mm-hmm. My topic, that sort of the human side of business, your network, your brand, your visibility, that mm-hmm. topic tends to get really good when there's a recession. I actually started as a professional speaker like full-time in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, we were in the middle of that recession and Every conference was called Connections. It was all about the human side of business because people were being laid off. People were looking for jobs. People were nervous about jobs. So my topic was really popular. And then as the economy started booming, it was still popular, but less. Coming out of the recession, I'm starting to see people are really interested in how do we get back to real connections? Because likes, links, shares, and follows, they're great. Social media is wonderful but it doesn't replace human connection. So the human side of business topic is becoming really popular again. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, resiliency is big. Dealing with difficult people is uh, is becoming more popular again. It was really popular a decade or so ago, but now we're being put back together with people at the office. And for two years, we didn't have to deal with their difficulties. So dealing with you know hard conversations, stuff like that. And of course, right now, probably one of the most popular topics is, is diversity and inclusion um, you know, in the changing world that we're in. And so I have a friend mm-hmm. who, you know, her business is on fire because she's one of the leading people dealing with DEI topics. And so if, if that's mm-hmm. if that's your topic, that's a hot topic right now as well. So there's there's always room though for topics that aren't hot mm-hmm. to get booked because not everybody wants the same thing at every single conference. So, right. you know, that's why being a salesperson matters if you're going to be a speaker because you got to sell your way in. <laughs> Is there is there any events or anything you want to you want to plug while you're on the while you're on this podcast? Well, for anybody who's interested in the idea of, hey, I've got something to say. I think I'm pretty good. I was on my TV newscast. I could be I could yeah. be a speaker. I think the best event if you if you're interested in the speaking business is the National Speakers Association's annual conference. It's called Influence. It takes place this year in July in Nashville and it is all about how to, the business side of speaking. And uh, I never would have figured this business out if 13 years ago I hadn't joined NSA, the National Speakers Association, because not only do they have great education about how the business works, but you start getting around other people who do it. Mm -hmm. And if you get around people who are doing whatever industry you want to go into, get around people who are doing it, they can't help it. Success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. So I made a lot of friends with a lot of speakers and whether they intended to or not, they showed me the way. Yeah. Talk about networking in IRL, in real life, right? In real life. 
Um, very cool. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask that might be helpful to someone who is looking to get into the business of speaking? So I think the number one thing is realize that I, I know I have a lot of friends who are professional speakers. Very few of them took an online course or hired a coach or found somebody who sprinkled fairy dust on them and made them a professional speaker. If you lined up 10 professional speakers, you're going to get 10 paths of how we got into this business. Mm-hmm. So there's no one way to do it. And there's no way anyone can teach you. You have to, a couple things you have to do. You have to learn the business side of speaking. And that's why I think NSA is really good. They have a podcast that I am the host of called Speakernomics. And it's all about the business of professional speaking. So listen to Speakernomics, join your local chapter of the National Speakers Association. Don't get caught up with these people who say, get rich as a speaker, because Mm -hmm. the only person getting rich is the person selling the course. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is you've got to get good. You've got to become really good on stage. And the problem is most of us, if we give a speech, think we're good because when we get off stage, people come up and say, great speech. Mm-hmm. But Zora, we live in a polite society. What else are you going to say to the speaker if you run into him in the hallway? You're not going to go, oh, wow, that was really mediocre. No, <laughs> we say great speech. So everybody think everybody who's good thinks they're great. And I talk to people all the time and they're like, well, everyone after a speech says great speech. And then when I tell them, what else are they going to say? They're like, oh, I've been basing this whole dream on the fact that people say I'm good. So what I tell people is, you know, you're good on stage when someone comes up to you and gives you the derivative of the words, what else can you do for me? So that's, would that speech work for lawyers? You know, could you come speak to a hospital with that topic? Uh, Can I pick your brain? Mm -hmm. Do you have a book or a podcast where I can get more information? Mm -hmm. Anytime they say something that you can translate to, what else can you do for me? That means you're good enough and you can charge. That was a win, right? Excellent. Great advice. All right. Well, where can we find you online? Um, And maybe there's someone listening that might want to hire you for their next conference. Awesome. Well, you can find me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. And I'm also on all the social medias for the most part, uh, just Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. Tom, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Great reconnecting. And uh, to our guests, thank you for uh, listening to this podcast. It's been part of a regular series that shares perspectives of business leaders and entrepreneurs on how a vision can become an adventure and a dream job. It <laughs> That's was what created. I it's been, mine has been an <laughs> right? adventure and a dream job. It, adventure and a venture. <laughs> <laughs> It was created out of my day job, Chasing Nectar Digital Solutions, along with Brenton Way Digital, where we create peace of mind for high growth businesses with marketing expertise. Check out my collab at zchase at brentonway.com and keep your vision moving into your venture. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>